All right, everybody. So, um, if you remember from last episode, we uh, we uh, we we fired Chris for uh, you know, just uh, budgeting reasons. Uh, Get him out of here. We we didn't like we didn't want to handle all that visa bullshit stuff like green card or whatever. So uh, we fired him and we brought Aiden on as the third host. But um, uh, Aiden said he was too cool for our show. Um, so we um, we decided it's it's worth to go through all the, uh, you know, uh, all the uh, the green card stuff. So uh, Chris, uh, Chris is back on the show. Um, Get him back. I, I, Chris, I hope you, you enjoyed your little vacation, you know, um, and I'm, I'm happy to have you back, man. I, I really am. Um, yeah. So no hard feelings that we fired you. Uh, sure. Oh, okay. Cool. Get the immigration attorneys online one. Get the immigration attorneys online one because no, I'm, I'm, we're not going to try to... I'm not going to try to twist that into our <laughs> intro. Chris, we're bring, we always got to bring you back because you're family. And that's what today's theme is on this episode of Stacked. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 24 of Stacked. 24 episodes. That's... 24. 24? That's as many hours in a day. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. <laughs> I'm your host, Ethan, along with... I'm Brandon. And I'm Chris. And that's right. We're we're back on this blessed Black Friday. This comes out on Black Friday. <laughs> Though if you're participating in Black Friday, you're a fucking you're horrible. Capitalist. No. Well not not only that, yes, yes, that. But also because come on, we're in a pandemic and you're running down fucking old ladies at Best Buy to get a PS5. Come on. Give me the PS5. Stay stay home, order some stuff on Amazon, and listen to Stacked, you know? Okay? Uh, I got a better idea. Support your local businesses. Well, technically, we're a local business. You know, we're... Uh, it, it costs nothing to listen to our show, and uh, we make no money from this, so we're kind of like non-profit, you know? So that's kind of cool. Uh, so you're we kind of like... good for the public. You're supporting a charity. We're basically a charity by listening to us, you know? You're just like... I know Brandon's a big numbers guy. He's a big views and clicks guy. So like when he sees when he sees those numbers go up on the YouTube videos and our uh, Spotify analytics, like he he gets a little chub. He gets a little happy, you know. He he gets, he, he lets out a little belly laugh. Brandon, give oh. me your belly laugh. That's a that's a chimp. That's an orangutan laugh. Have you guys ever noticed how orangutan looks like a ball sack with arms and legs? Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah. <a> so <laughs> for this episode, we didn't really want to go with Thanksgiving movies. A because there's not very many Thanksgiving movies, you know, and B it's it's that. You know, we have some international fans, like Chris, <laughs> fan yeah. and host of Stacked. <laughs> one and only. One and only. I'm a fan and a host of Stacked, but, you know, there's people, people yeah. don't, not everyone celebrates Thanksgiving, but a lot of people do celebrate their family. And Thanksgiving has become more about 
pilgrims uh basically the first what's what's that called uh gentrification <laughs> the very first you american mean colonization no i mean gentrification <laughs> yeah Bro, if you think about it, gentrification is kind of like colonization. Well, we're getting woke on the show. No, uh, seriously, why the fuck do we celebrate Thanksgiving? I, well, it's, I think uh, it's evolved. It's, Go ahead. And it's Chris. the the it's the history of how uh, the uh, the natives helped out the cowboys. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. There you go. That's how it worked, right? Wait, that's do you? Act, oh, Chris, I want you like literally in your best attempt. Okay to uh tell us what thanksgiving how, okay. why we're like, why we origins, celebrate thanksgiving the origins of the oh, story. yeah cool. okay so this is the basics of how i understand it. and quite frankly i think i know it more than the average person abroad who you know doesn't celebrate thanksgiving but right i know it has something to do with the pilgrims okay and who these, were they they were pilgrims from the jesus <laughs> thing from, okay. from the yeah. jesus thing that's called okay. christianity by the way uh <laughs> uh i'm kidding um and then there's another party and, and who who is who are the native americans i don't know yeah that's good oh, that's really? good yeah. enough that's yeah. good enough okay and then um they think they were having some troubles so they they got together and had a little dinner and we're like hey we should do this more often that's an oversimplification <laughs> But but is the fundamental <laughs> not right there? They were yeah. having some troubles, and they said, "Hey, let's. You want to go grab dinner? <laughs> you want to go to a Jollibee down the road? <laughs> That's what Filipino uh, Thanksgivings like." <laughs> yeah. So Chris basically summed it up, but. I I personally, that's not why I celebrate Thanksgiving anymore these days. Brandon, you said like the holidays evolved. Right. I feel like when you're a child and you're like taught in school about Thanksgiving and Christmas or like what what they mean, it, it's kind of like they give you like this religiously backed Western's tale of, oh, the Westerners were just settling here or you know, Jesus was born on this day, so we celebrate it, you know? But mm-hmm. since I think the holidays have kind of taken on new meaning about family and giving and values, rather than just connected to, like, the same old religious folk tales that you hear every year when you're in elementary school. So for me, I mean, I celebrate it more just giving to family and spending time and enjoying it with them. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's all about being thankful that you still have a, a family with for those privileged enough to still have a, a good old family that supports them and loves them. You know, mm-hmm. and if you don't, then you sometimes make your own families. You know, like mm-hmm. I think we'll be talking about a lot in this movie, this movie podcast. I don't know why I said this movie. Yeah, I say myself by saying movie podcast and this podcast uh, films that are like friends as family. You know, and you making your own family. If your family's not that great, so you know we had a good time. A little, a little we had a friendsgiving uh, last. What was that Sunday? Yeah, on Sunday we had a little friendsgiving. Yeah. Got together, socially distanced out on the quad. Everyone brought their own food. Uh, Brandon told me I could bring anything I wanted, <laughs> so I brought two bags of gummy worms. <laughs> and I think was it only like you who ate it? Brandon had a few, but yeah, Brandon, wait. I, Cody, and Ethan had them all. Brandon had a few. 
Brandon, can you only refer to yourself in third person this podcast? No. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. No. <laughs> I would never. I would never. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be we'll be uh breaking down what it means to be a family through the films that we picked. And I I, I think I picked out some good ones. I, I don't know about you two, but I think I think mine are pretty good, so I would be Whoa. surprised if we didn't have it double stacked. You would be surprised if we didn't. Yeah, I I don't think I would be surprised. I don't think if someone I don't think did, any, had a double stack of yeah, mine. I don't think anyone's gonna pick mine. But let's see. All right. Well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Brandon's like the Adams family. Adams family <laughs> values. <laughs> Only movies. Did with you family. know that? You remember that movie with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Robert Robert De Niro? No. I think it's called the family. Ah. So look that up. Put that put that poster on the screen, Ethan. I'm good. Did, did <laughs> you um did you guys know that they're in one of the Adams family movies, they have another child. And did you know that child's name? Yes, it's Pubert, of course. Pubert. <laughs> put Pubert up a picture Adams. of Pubert. Look at him. Pubert but not a family starring Robert De Niro and <laughs> No, Pubert's way more important. Also, put up that creepy looking doll of Pubert. Yeah, there he is. Chris, keep scrolling through and you'll find the scary looking doll of Pewter. I've never seen the Adams family, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's so weird that you brought up Pubert on this podcast because I Well you're talking about Adam's I was family, just joking yeah. about with the, the jungle thick boys about Pubert the other day. It's well funny. who names their kid Pubert? <laughs> I know. It's like calling your kid Pube. <laughs> That's probably what they called him like by his name. Anyway, hey, Pube, Pube. I got a question for you. Yeah? How does this show work? <laughs> what a great transition. Woo! You get the award there. Well, Chris, I'll tell you how this show works. Cancel. Once a week, we set a topic or theme to go our separate ways to construct our own three film stack. Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we'll mix and match our nine films to make the ultimate central what quintessential three film stack we're checking out of this hypothetical video store. Woo! I'm getting faster and faster. Speed me up. Hey. Speed me up. Hey. Speed All right. Up, so buddy. that's how the show works. Family movies. Um, I'm starting with my first family movie. Uh-oh. Now, Ice this... Age. Ice Age? Oh, shit. You know, I could've. I... <laughs> Y'all are lucky. It's not... I, I didn't do it. I... That's a good one. But shit. But it does follow the same themes as Ice Age. It, this is a, a newer movie. Came out in 20... 19 no 2018 2018 i saw it in 2019 sorry this is so interesting it is um a japanese film directed by hirokazu koreeda it's called shoplifters oh what did you think daddy's home too it's a, I said it's a Japanese film. <laughs> Akira Kurosawa's Daddy's Home 2. Akira Kurosawa's. <laughs> Stop! Put the poster. Put no, the I'm poster. not gonna. I'm not gonna Photoshop that poster. Jesus, I'm not gonna waste my the precious seconds of my life that I have to Photoshop Akira Kurosawa's name on the poster for Daddy's Home 2. How dare you? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So tell us about Daddy's Home 2. No. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you about Daddy's Home 2. No, I will tell you about the movie Shoplifters. Now, 
this, like I said early in the podcast, this is really about people finding and forging their own family, a bunch of outcasts sort of taken advantage of and uh, cast out by uh, the Japanese uh, capitalist society where they can't really, they can't, they just can't make a break and make a decent living. So um, it stars a husband and wife and then three kids that they find and then an old lady, which they call grandma. And it's just like the director does such a good job at making really like you feel part of this family, you know, you, you start like you see uh, the movie starts by this family. Uh, most of them have been established, but they, they, they find this little girl in like in a rather abusive household and they kind of just like steal her, you know, uh, they steal her away. And you're seeing, you're sort of seeing through this family through the lens of that little girl and how they, they really do love each other by going like, by how uh, they share a bond and like these economic struggles, you know, and it's just it's such a wholesome film about um, about love and people loving each other and supporting each other and um, doing things for the ones that you love, you know. Um, I saw I had to see this movie twice in theaters. I loved it so much, you know. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a great film. I know you both have seen it. So what do you what do you guys think of Shoplifters? So, oh man, I remember seeing this movie like right after they announced the Oscar nominations. So I mean, I think I literally saw it the day after. And yeah, Ethan, you really nailed it on the head when you were talking about how there's this really like endearing, like sensibility and gentleness to this film, whether that's through the direction, the performances, or the way in which the film's constructed. It's a really heart-wrenching movie. Um, and yeah, you really do get like this perspective of seeing how these people are unified by um, this like shared struggle in the you know difficult economy. And I think like one thing that really stood out to me is like how, you know, um, like how the film depicts the lengths at which people who care and love each other are willing to go to protect one another. And right. to provide for one another. And I don't know. It's just like, it's a very like wholesome, but like still kind of like dramatic movie. Like there's this one scene where the grandmother character is watching her family, like standing by the beach. Shore. On the beach. Oh, that's my favorite and scene in the movie. It's so good. And like you just, that gaze of like a, like a, per, a person who is looking, reflecting upon their own life through this like you know the things that you know she's going to be leaving behind when she passes away one day there's something so existential about that and i think they really nailed on the head about like that whole kind of like you know like there's some there's just something about that human connection like that is so uniquely powerful and yeah i just think it's so it's it's a very like heart heartwarming and wrenching movie at the same time right Brandon, I think it's a little cold. Well, there is there's snow at the movie at the end. If that's what you mean, I I don't mean climate wise. I mean like <laughs> in the perspective of like I feel like the emotion in it is very muted. And while that's great for like the acting performances, I did not feel the same warmth that you guys felt for the movie in terms of like the character connection between each other. Like, I would agree one of my favorite sequences in the film is the beach sequence because it's very subtle and it's one of the 
briefest uh, glances into this this sort of happy life they put together for themselves before it all comes kind of crashing down. And uh, I like the film, uh, but it, it kind of falls into the same the same sort of feelings I had for The Farewell and Roma, where I like recognize how well of a film both of those films are, but I was not as attached to the characters or the story as I was with other films, especially from the foreign audiences. So, yeah. Interesting. But I, I like I, it. I understand. I, I completely understand the coldness that you feel. For To me, it feels more melancholic, you know? Which and is your shit. That's my shit. I, I take comfort in that kind of stuff. So I just I just love that it's people doing the best with what they got, you know? And yeah great it's i i I just i I adore this film yeah i think like brandon like you're um like you talking about how like this movie felt a little bit cold to you it kind of like um and i totally get that because yeah it's very it's a very muted movie like it's not expressionistic and a lot of it is not like you know tears and crying and outward emotion and while that can be powerful in some films and of course the muted thing might work better in others for like for example right like two of my favorite movies of all time kind of fall on opposite spectrums of the opposite ends of the spectrum for that in the mood for love being a very expressionistic film but still having that nuance you know but then one of my other favorite movies it's also about family but i didn't pick it this time because i want to save that for another stack is yasujiro ozu's tokyo story ah now that is a great example for me at least of that that subtle quiet nuance and i think shoplifter maybe treads the line between them somewhere i think it does a really good job but yeah um i think this is a great pick ethan a great way to start us off hell yeah all right well it's off to brandon for his first pick brandon Uh, yes i like i like movies Uh, Uh, that i that i know that i know (laughs) Uh, I picked a 2019 movie. You guys just watched it. It's a little on the darker side. It's Julia Ona, uh, Julius Ona's film, Loose. Oh. Oh. Okay. Interesting. So the way I structured my my picks is I wanted to go from darkest dark to lightest light in terms okay. of like tone, as to have like a a progression you know mm-hmm. so the the if you guys haven't seen this movie uh talking to the audience here it's a movie about a kid who is adopted into a white upper middle class family and who basically was raised uh in a country that wasn't his own he grew up in africa and he was adopted by these like white parents who had this ideal set out for him and it's about this family and the troubles they're going through in order to put this kid um, basically at the top of his class. Now, this kid is at the top of his class, but little do they know there's something underneath the surface that's always been messing with their kid played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, And I remember seeing this movie in theaters and being blown away by it, mostly because nobody was talking about it. I had heard about it at all these film festivals, but what really caught me off guard was how fantastic the movie is at showing the roles of the family deconstructed and how there's more than meets the eye when it comes to how those families interact with the people around them as well as like what pressures sometimes families put on children 
And that can be very stressful. It can make it really hard to succeed and yeah. be original. Yeah. I think like when I saw this movie, like I, I think the first thing that really stood out to me was, of course, Calvin Harrison Jr.'s fantastic performance. I think he's so going to be a star. He's going to be a star one day. I, oh, I yeah. really hope he will. Me too. Um, and on top of that, when he, any scene he's in with Octavia Spencer is fantastic, especially that last sequence where they're arguing in her home. Yes. Really great. And of course, Naomi Watts and Tim Roth are fantastic as always. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Brandon, like you said, the this story about like this kid kind of growing up with this family that's like placing certain expectations upon him. And, you know, like um, the, the character, Octavia Spencer's character and how she kind of like not really, well, maybe actually like manipulates and controls things, changes things and reorients um you know, uh, Calvin Harrison Jr.'s character, you know, to fit this mold that she's almost created for him. And I think, like, that's a really interesting thing because, like, I think uh, within families, like, of course, there's all the warmth, the love and everything. But there's also this side of the of the family dynamic where you have expectations of one another. And, of course, that is a core part of it, but it also can be destructive if, you know, purpose towards something like that. And yeah, I think like this is a really fantastic depiction of what it's like to grow up in an environment so different from what you are accustomed to. But more importantly, that is almost acting against you. Mm-hmm. Ethan, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, this is a fantastic film if you're looking at like per- performance wise and screenplay wise, you know, um, the performances by I think all the actors are top notch and the screen the writing is is brutal like the things that they say to each other is so sharp and layered you know mm-hmm. um and you can you can you can definitely feel that it's from a play you know it was adapted from a play um and that's kind of where my problems lie in the film where Ooh. um it's a film about so uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s character. He's uh, he's like a really good uh, a debater. Uh, one could say he's a master debater. Um, and <laughs> sorry, I I just I I realized what I was going to say, and I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't say that. Anyways, um, <laughs> I can't say it. So you said I can't say it. No, I can't say it seriously unless I make it a joke. Unless I know that I recognize that I'm saying it as, like, what I'm saying. Anyways, um, so there's a lot of... There, he delivers his lines a lot like a debater. And I feel like everyone in this film does. Where I feel like these themes and uh, the messages that the film's trying to give you are, like, being spat at you like a debate. You know? Like, as a, someone's public speaking to you. And... I, I don't find the film all that visually interesting, you know. Uh, I find this film kind of rather cold, you know. And um, but that's the point. point. That it's the point, but like I don't know. It's I feel like there I could have, I could have had a little bit more there, you know. I, but I, I, regardless, the performances in the script are worth the the admission, you know. I I still I still like the I still like the film a lot, but I just I don't know. Can I rebut with something a little bit? Is this a debate now? Ha ha. All right. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Try Uh, to change my mind, you filthy lib. I'm not trying to. (laughs) 
I just want to say something. No, um, next film. All right, Chris. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the thing that I love about films that are like plays. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is 12 Angry Men, which is like literally a stage production, you know, is that when you have a film like Loose, a film like Fences, a film like 12 Angry Men, these movies play out like a play because that's all their focus is on. So in other movies where their focus may be uh, towards the spectacle of like a big event or towards the construction of this larger narrative. What I love about films like this is there's such a focus on intimacy between these characters that it cannot get lost in subtext or visuals. It feels like you are deliberately supposed to dig into the subtext that is provided to build a story that is powerful and uniquely focused on family. So, yeah, that's what I got to say. Okay. But I, I don't disagree that those are your <laughs> fucking tenets of uh, yeah. what you dislike about the movie. I still don't like the cinematography, but go off, King. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chris, go into your first film. All right. Well, we started off this list with something with like pigs that are kind of like more somber y. So I'm going to keep that up. And kind of similar to Brandon, I'm like, as my list goes on, it's going to get a little bit more lighthearted. So I'm going to start us off with the film from last year. Um, it garnered a lot of Oscar hype, but I don't think it was nominated for anything. And I, Ethan, I remember you in particular were kind of sad that this that it got nothing. Hmm. 2019 film directed by Lulu Wang. Oh, yes. The Farewell. Yeah, there we <laughs> so, go. This is a very special movie to me. I very much relate to the story unfolding, of course, like, Okay, so how do I break it down? Basically, it's a story revolving around the character of Aquafina. She is a girl who was born and raised in America, but is a Chi- um, but is like a second generation uh, Chinese immigrant. And as part of that, um, there is a big cultural and social divide between her and her the rest of her family back in Beijing. Now, this all comes into play when eventually. Um, they find out that her grandmother has terminal cancer and she returns to um, China to um, with the rest of her family to kind of put on this fake wedding to, you know, so that the family can be all together again. And the mother, the grandmother is none the wiser. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, you know, of course, like all the things that happen with this wedding are really interesting and just seeing like how they keep this secret quiet from the mom. Uh, see this yeah how to keep this secret from the grandmother is really great but what really struck with me is all those sequences where it's just her maybe her parents and like her the her the rest of her extended family arguing about little things that and like the thing is i've heard these conversations because i've had that conversation with my uncles my aunts my cousins and my dad has had to defend my side of the family because my the thing is my side of the family are the most westernized side of my Chinese extended family. And as part of that, you know, there's always that conversation like, oh, like, you know, Chris is going to America for college. Like, like, what, like, you know, like, so when are you going to come back and, uh, you know, get a real job, you know? So like, that's something that I very much relate to. And like, and it also does speak very, very interestingly. I think Lulu does a great job with uh, kind of tapping into the cultural divides between um, the West and the East. 
there's this saying i think um the uncle character says where it's like that's the difference between the east and the west in the east your part your life is part of a whole in the west your life belongs to you and i think that's a really interesting concept to explore the cultural divides between opposite ends of the planet and just i don't know i just think that's such an interesting thing ethan you're a big fan of this movie what do you think yeah um i surprisingly i too found this film very relatable not because i am from china but i think <laughs> i think lulu wang does really, really good. ethan williams china <laughs> believe williams. it or not believe it or not <laughs> no but i am I think, blown away right now i think lulu wang does a really good job like um conveying this dialogue to make it um sort of exceed uh the simple east versus west that no that's completely valid in how chris saw it and i think that's how she was trying to intend but i saw this film because right when after uh right before i saw this film my grandmother passed away from the exact same illness that um the grandmother of this film has and it was interesting for me um because my grandmother in that side of the family is very Mormon, you know? Um, and I feel like it was interesting for me to think about um, someone who is very not Mormon, you know, having to come, come back uh, and immerse yourself in this culture dealing with grief, you know, and how um, I really saw like my place in this family. And I, I think it's very similar in terms of like, uh, the the importance of family in this film to like Mormon uh, culture, I guess, where family is some one of the most highest and like of important things, you know, where they question me, they're like, how they want to know how I am doing um, in terms of making this family larger and being successful as a father to a family you know that's that seems like one of the the primary concerns on the surface but as you start i feel like as this film goes in you start to see that these are uh human beings with these values but again they're human beings you know um and it's just interesting to see that the culture clash in this film that i, I too found very relatable it's this film is extremely gut-wrenching I I saw I saw this film twice, first by myself, the second time with my mom. So that made it more impactful, you know. Um and just it's a beautiful film. And yeah, the I was shocked by how little Oscar nominations there were. Because there was so much buzz around the film, you know? It was, only got it was crazy. One? Yeah. It was I think crazy. it only got like screenplay or something like that. No, it didn't even get screenplay. What'd it get? Wait, what'd it get? I think, didn't it get like an acting nom for the grandma? Or am I wrong? I think it got a, I think the gold, uh, didn't Aquafina win a Golden Globe or something? Yeah, but she wasn't nominated for an Oscar because right, Oscars I did, don't I, do comedy. Did it not get any? Entirely for shut out. It had none. Wow. Really? Wow. Fuck. Damn. Stupid. Brandon, you, you were just talking about how you didn't really relate to this film earlier. <laughs> I, it's not that I don't like this movie. Even though I you like gave it. this four and a half stars. No, I do. Uh, fuck, let me speak, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, if you Will you speak, shut up? I know. Actually... Okay, so we know you hate this movie, so go into why you hate it. <laughs> I hate this guy. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I enjoy this movie. I do think it's not my type of movie. 
it all it felt like there was something missing like it's the same as the shoplifters film i it feels a little cold to me however i think there's more to mine from this film about family and about cross culture um culture clashing that i find more fascinating than i found shoplifters uh because even though that movie had a universal message i found this one more unique in its depictions and how you break down like these relationships between family members um I, it, there it, there's just something missing that i wasn't like i didn't love it like i really liked it i think there's like not like basically nothing wrong with it but it's i i just don't know what i can't put my finger on like what i don't it didn't like it's not a movie i would rate five stars because like there's something missing and i can't quite say what it is maybe it's like one of those things where like in like liking this movie is like well like okay how do i put this loving this movie is dependent on your ability to relate to it maybe i don't know maybe that's part of like it's prime watching situation it's entirely possible because there were moments in this movie where I was like actually like caring about their relationship as like family members like Aquafina and her grandma like have the best chemistry even though that it's not her real grandma um and I mean I love that relationship they have but I I just I felt like everything was great but it didn't hit that next level to make me like adore the movie give it five stars and say like this is like a groundbreaking film you know it didn't really feel like it was doing something that new you know what i mean but i yeah. did like it i mean i mean i'm not gonna lie i just it's just <laughs> i think this is the harshest you've ever spoken about a movie you've given four and a half stars to <laughs> i literally wasn't that harsh i i know but it's just like it's i don't know never mind uh okay the Farewell, fantastic film. So now it's up to me again for round two. Now, my film, we, we didn't specify whether family films are supposed to be like, why we like family films that like to express the love of family. Because mine's about <laughs> a pretty fucked up family, but it's a family film nonetheless. Brandon, I know you love this film. It got a remake this year uh it's ruben oslin's force majeure oh not downhill (laughs) not not downhill i'm never gonna see that fucking movie in my life because this movie is absolutely incredible it's about it's i'd say this is a pretty high concept film honestly like you can you can explain it all in like one sentence about a, f- a family, a uh, husband, wife, uh, a son, a daughter, they go on a uh, skiing uh, vacation trip. Um, I believe it's in France. Maybe in Switzerland? France. Uh, I it's know, in Europe. I, so, somewhere in Europe. But I, I, I think it's a Swedish director, if I'm... No, you're correctly. right. He's but it's, amazing. I remember they go to a different country than where they're from. Anyways, maybe he's Danish. Danish? Yeah, maybe, maybe. something like that. Anyways, they go to a, um, uh, a, a ski resort for a vacation and they're having lunch out on the deck. And this this one scene, it was kind of like uh, it became a viral video for a minute. Do you guys remember this when because yes. it's filmed? So it's filmed. So like like 
Cinema Verite. Someone actually fil- yeah, Cinema Verite, where they're sitting there having lunch, and an avalanche comes down and almost hits them. And you see the dad, the first thing the dad's first reaction is saving himself while the mom goes for the kids. Like the dad runs away from the family while the mom goes for the kids. And basically the entire rest of the film is the mom trying to figure out why he would do that. And the dad basically denying that and like basically gaslighting her for his own pride. But like you both feel like both characters are in the right, but like it's just such a weird uh, deconstruction of a marriage a marriage and family dynamics and what it means to be a parent. And sorry, mom and dad for listening, but I, I saw a lot of my own family when we have our own scuffles in this wow. film, <laughs> just sort of like, <laughs> I don't know, just the awkwardness, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not like a dramatic film, you know, like the arguments are so incredibly cringe worthy, you know, not like cringe, like lol, fucking cringe. <laughs> like you're like, Oh my god, this this fucking hurts to watch, you know? And it's um it's a beautiful film. I love the cinematography. I love the score. Um I think they, they I think they just use like classical pieces in this uh film, but it's still it's so good. It reminds me of when I used to go at least visually, not in terms of the narrative. Uh when I went on skiing, when I used to go skiing all the time as a kid, you know? um and these resorts and stuff like that and it's just it's a wonderful film and yeah force mature brandon what do you think of force mature Ooh, it's a it's a good movie really yeah. good movie very uncomfortable movie oh yeah and i'm not easily uncomfortable in films like as my friends know like any violence and sex don't really get to me like it gets to like other people in cinema where they're like Oh, they have to look away, cover their eyes. This movie, it almost makes you want to look away. And that's from my perspective, just because of what Ethan just said. Like, the characters in this film, just unrelenting uncomfortableness. Because, yes, they're both kind of in the right in their perspective. I still think the the mother character is uh, more in the right. However, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it's just like, you, it, there's a gray area there to dissect this family dynamic and it does it in a very comic way but at this like a darkly comic way it's almost morbid uh versus like painted on this melancholic angry backdrop very cynical too but i do have i do have a qualm maybe with it being a family movie i know they have okay hear me out um I'm not going to disagree that it the family is in the film. I just consider it more of a focus on the mother and husband. I I don't really look at it as like a relationship piece about the kids and the parents. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it has to have both. It doesn't necessarily have to, I guess. But I think it were, it's not technically like family. I... I, I have to disagree on that one because like, I don't know. I feel like like the kids and their relationship to the parents is pretty essential for understanding like what the parents are going through in this film, you know? And yeah, like I, one of my favorites, <laughs> there's a scene in the film that involves the entire family towards the end where it's just like, it's super emotional and stuff like that. And like, 
I don't, none of the drama would work if this wasn't about a family, you know? I just think they're not as big of a focus as the married couple in the film. Is that fair? Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's fine, but it's still about a family with the parents being the leads. Yeah, I just wish I would have seen more parents talking to kids about what happened. I mean, they do, but they They do a lot. What are you talking about? I don't think (laughs) they do a a lot. I, I think they do it a little bit. I think they do a lot. Anyways, Chris, uh, you haven't seen this film. You've never seen this film, but you definitely should. Okay. Branded. (laughs) Cool. My number two move. It often gets overshadowed despite the fact that it won Best Picture. In 1980, it's a film directed by Robert Redford, one of the few movies he ever directed Hmm. uh, that was up for major award consideration and that's uh ordinary people and i don't know if you guys have seen this movie have not have you ever but heard I, of it? it's on my watch list yeah it's in your I, top I, 100 top that's all i know i think there you go it's it's this it movie about the, hmm? sorry is it in your top 10 it's in my top 50 i don't okay. know if it's in my top 10 i don't think it is um ordinary people is this movie about a teenage boy in this family who are grappling with a lot of different issues of the time that kind of feel modern today. Because in the the 70s, 60s, and 50s, and even the early 80s, I think there's this sense of happy nuclear family living in suburbia, right? And much like my first film, Loose, it's a little on the darker side, kind of like Ethan. It has some dark comedy in it, but it's about this this son who has... PTSD after his brother dies in a boating accident and his brother is like two or three years older than him but was still a teenager and as a result the younger brother uh, tries to kill himself early in the movie so it deals with depression PTSD suicide things that are really prevalent I think in modern society and it tackles this in a very uh, intimate and emotional way and it doesn't feel all the time like a melodrama. Like, it definitely has parts of it that are melodramatic. But it, it kind of takes... It was like the Goodwill Hunting before Goodwill Hunting. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And the way it, that Timothy Hutton, the lead actor in the film, has this relationship with his parents, uh, played by Mary Tyler Moore and Donald Sutherland, um, you really feel the pain that each member of the family is going through. Because the mother doesn't really... She doesn't really want to look at her son because her son reminds her of the older brother and she kind of blames him for the older brother's death. And then the father is just trying to grapple with his place in the family and moving on. Uh, Whereas Timothy Hutton is dealing with these really big mental issues. So I think it's a very fascinating movie that breaks down the mental dichotomy of what a family is. The problem is that it was overshadowed by uh, Scorsese's Raging Bull which I don't uh, even think was nominated for Best Picture at the time, but I, everybody was saying it should have won. Right. And uh, I kind of disagree with that statement. Ah. So check it out, guys. I know you haven't seen it, but what do you think? <laughs> Put up the I kind of disagree counter. <laughs> but you haven't Ding seen with it. a question mark. Ding? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I've been meaning to check out this film because it's in your top 25, and I want to go through all your favorites, Brandon, at some point. Because I did yours. Because you did mine. Well, you haven't done mine because I've added some more that you haven't seen. So Altered States, yeah. It's not on <laughs> HBO Max anymore. I got the Blu-ray, so. Give it to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
I know I've I've heard this as a lot of cornerstone about dysfunctional family sim- cinema. You know, this mm-hmm. it, this film is always tossed around. Uh and I don't know too much about it besides what you just said, so I'm 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 interested. I definitely want to check it out. Chris, you in the same boat as me? Yeah, I mean like I'm not going to I'm not going to lie until you said that, Brent. I didn't know Robert Redford directed movies as well. <laughs> what? So <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. He's one of those weird, like, random actors. I always know his name. I know he's legendary, but I've only seen two of his movies. Captain Bear. Three, actually. No, no, three, 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 technically three. <laughs> one is Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Captain right. America, The Winter Soldier, and Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah. Very, that was his, his last, last role before he retired. <laughs> yeah. I That's remember hilarious. you. Real quick side note. I do remember the two of you especially, because I know you guys love him. Yeah, kind of like shitting that. your pants when you saw him. Like <gasps> he's back. <laughs> it was crazy. I, I yeah, did not expect it because he made his Robert retirement Redford. with Old Man of the Gun. So like, yeah. this this is my final. You know. <laughs> Anyways, but um, yeah, Brandon, you like, I think like what's been what we've been talking about a lot like throughout this podcast is like, um, how we're also tapping into this darker side of family relationships and i think that's going to switch it up a bit as we go on i don't know you guys but like um yeah i think like we're really addressing like you know family is important and but because it is that sometimes leads to like conflict leads to drama leads to like things that aren't as pleasant as all the sunshine rainbows and whatever that you might traditionally associate with family but yeah I think this is. I mean, I don't know anything about this movie other than what you said, but I'm I'm sold. Good. I'm glad I sold you guys. Yeah. All right. Do you have it on DVD? I do. Okay. Might have to red box it for me sometime. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, you have your little red box system where we can come and you you have the red box little cases and we can rent yeah. it out. <laughs> you can give me your movie. He All was right. in Pete's Dragon. Yeah, he's, he's in the good. new one. Yeah, he's pretty cool. good. <laughs> cool! <laughs> Alright, Chris. What's your second pick? Alright, so my second pick is a 2018 film. Also, a film directed by an Asian American. John M. Chu's Crazy Rich Asians. Ah. Nah, that's not it. I, oh. I thought, I thought we were going to have a double stack. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and then he said Asian director. I was like, <sighs> anyway. Um... <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, Asian director. It must be this one. <laughs> um, okay, so um, John M. Chu's Crazy Rich Asians. I really, really love this movie. I think it does such a wonderful job. Once again, showing kind of similarly to The Farewell, that interesting mix between the East and West philosophies on family and things like that. So this movie follows this character played by Constance Wu. Um, her name's Rachel, I believe. And she travels to Singapore with her, um, with her boyfriend, played by Henry Golding, who was fantastic. Hubba, hubba. Big hubba hubba energy. <laughs> and he is he, kind of a hunk. Yeah. And, um, but then on their trip, she discovers that um, Henry Golding's character's family is extremely wealthy. Um, and, of course, there is a social, um, there is a social economic component to this movie that is very prominent. And you really get to see how that interplays with, you know, the sense of, you know, false elitism um, that, you know, kind of pervades over people of that are atop the social, the social economic ladder. 
But I think what really drew me back, keeps drawing me back to this film is how we navigate um, Rachel's struggle with the, the with Henry Golding's character's mother. I think it's such a apt, you know, story about like, you know, meeting someone from a foreign land that you've, you know, and just wanting so desperately to be with this person, but your cultural differences kind of tear you apart from one another. And there's this one line in this movie that I am, that uh, I forget, I'm forgetting her name, but I'm going to hate myself for this later. Um, he, Henry Golding's mother's act, the uh, mother of Henry Golding. Michelle Yeoh? Michelle Yeoh, yes. She is fantastic, by the way. Amazing actress. Um, anyway, so she says this line to Rachel and it's, the line is, following your dreams, how American of you. And I think that sums it up really well. This idea of pursuing your desire, you know, only because you, you, it's what calls to you is something that is almost a very Western idea. Because oftentimes I feel like in the East, you're encouraged only to pursue something that provides material benefit or, you know, elite status, whether that be for business, for medicine, for law. Um, and like, yeah, I think it's just like, it's so interesting to see how that interplays with these characters. And also this is one of the first Hollywood movies in many, many generations that, that featured an all Asian cast. And I don't know. I think that's pretty huge. I was really, I was so happy about that. It's huge. Yeah. That's the main reason why I didn't see it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you didn't see, oh, well, you haven't seen this film? I haven't seen this film because what? let me tell you why I haven't huh? seen this film. Okay. So, Barbecue? this came out in August of 2018. Okay? This was during the the steady crash of Movie Pass. Now, you two wow. know that I was one of the last people struggling with Movie Pass. I you two both joined AMC A-list pretty early on, and I was still on that Movie tra- Movie Pass train until it smashed into the fucking river in the into the abyss. And I was like, oh boy, what movies can I see with my movie pass? And when this film came out, I was like, yeah, you can't really see anything. And I was like, I was a broke sophomore, you know? So (laughs) this is before I had had a job. And I was like, oh, I guess I can't really see any other movies. I mean, I spent all my money seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp four times, five times, six times. I saw it like eight times in theaters. So I, 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 I didn't get to, I wasn't able to see in theaters. And or I, at all. I, I just haven't, I just haven't been able to see it. And Chris, maybe this is a film you, you got to show me. You know? Yeah, I'm hoping to. Because I know you really love it. For, I'd love to throw this on for a movie night one night. Yes. What? You should watch Double Feature of Wall Street and Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. We can't do that. Liar. I don't know if I don't think I don't know if we're gonna be able to do double features anymore because of the curfew. Oh yeah. Don't, don't scratch that. Don't. <laughs> okay Brian what do you think about this movie uh I thought this movie was gonna suck if I'm gonna be completely honest I remember seeing the trailer well, like yeah what, didn't John M. Chu direct one of your least favorite movies ever I never say never I just didn't he direct I, that I think that was the guy who did supersize me I thought he did a Justin Bieber thing I think I think it was maybe a co thing look it up I'll look it up real quick. I got you. But I remember working at the theater and seeing the trailer for this like every time I went to see any movie. And I was just like, 
and they played the same jokes like that you would expect a romantic comedy trailer to play okay yes he's directed one of my least favorite films ever made yeah i'm kind of a whiz kid i'm kind of an all all knowledge knowing a film uh could also direct one of your favorite movies ever made (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) it's a good imax film but not a good movie um but i yeah i i thought that uh crazy rich jason's was gonna suck and i went to see it with my sister and we both like were like really moved by the movie it was just a good film about you like you said family dynamics another movie like the farewell that deals with uh cross culture cultural clashing and i think it does a more entertaining job at doing it and it did feel a little bit warmer because it felt like the person was fighting back against the traditional norms versus the farewell where it's kind of like well we're accepting we're different cultures um so it was it's a very they're two very different films yeah uh but they deal with similar things and i really enjoy the comedy in this aquafine is not annoying uh like sh- she had two great performances where she wasn't annoying back to back and i was like hell yeah and um not <laughs> only that but i feel like constance Wu and henry golding are very great they have great chemistry together and that whole relationship and the way it's broken down, it, it feels like a magical Cinderella story, even though it technically isn't. It's a good film. Good film. I gotta watch it. I gotta watch it. All right. Let's get into our final round here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with moi. And my last film is a superhero film. No. Came out in 2017. What? Directed by one and only James Gunn. Oh. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. Uh. Now you may be asking, why did you put this film over the first one? Because that one's sort of like a family coming together. I don't necessarily agree. I don't know if they were a family yet. <laughs> but this next one, the sequel, it's like, ah. Uh, it's slowly overcoming the first film as one that I like more mm. than the Guardians films. I don't know. Because I just I just find this film so much more rich in its themes about family. And it's got all sorts of plot lines going on here that are so emotional to me. You have Peter Quill and his dilemma of uh, should I uh, stick with my blood family? Or this family that I found. And it's about him realizing that this these group of misfits that travel the galaxy and make money together, that this has become a family to him. And it took his uh, celestial father wanting to take over the world with Kurt Russell's ego, the living planet, for him to realize that, you know? And then you have the plot line of Rocket Raccoon and Yondu, which is, oh my god. It, it destroys me about a character who is too scared to be part of a family because he doesn't want to disappoint those in which he loves, you know? And he doesn't... It, it, it kind of scares him to think about that people love and care about him because he wants that so badly. He just doesn't believe that the universe has uh, treated him fair enough for him to have that, you know? And this is that that's coming about a talking raccoon in a space opera, you know, 
That's crazy. And then you have the plot with Yondu where he's basically having to convince Rocket that no, like don't become what I, what I became and rejected my own family because of these same reasons, you know, he's sort of the failed father in the story. And it's just, oh, it's, it's a beautiful film. I think this is the film that has Chris, you may agree with me. I think it has the best cinematography in any Marvel yeah, film. In, in all of Marvel movies, this is it's, the best cinematography. It's absolutely the colors, the shot composition. Like, I think out of any Marvel film, this the stills of Peter sitting in uh, Ego the Living Planet ship. Do you know that that frame I'm talking about? Where it's just like so. him in the bottom left, and then this like beautiful thing around him. It's it's yeah. so simple, but it's just so like. I don't know. It's so good. And then Gamora sitting on that on Ego, the Living Planet. Oh yeah, and then the knife. Yeah, and then she cuts the the, the bush. I just like yeah. it's vibrant. It's colorful, and yeah, it just plays the emotions. It's got one of the best endings ever. Like I said, it's a a rock a raccoon fucking crying at a funeral, knowing that there will people there will be people who will mourn and celebrate him just like this. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's the literally the last frame in the film is him <laughs> realizing that, that's and it's just dance. like, whoo! I I didn't I did not see this coming from a Marvel film. Like it's it's definitely the most complex of Marvel Studios films, I believe. And every, I each time I rewatch it, it like I love it more and more. What do you guys think? I adore this movie. I remember, you know, Guardians is my favorite Marvel movie. The first one is the, my favorite Marvel movie ever made. Right. And it's in my top 25. A long it's amazing. It's amazing. But this is this is like very, very close third or maybe fourth, I think. And but no, Ethan, you're right. I think like one thing this movie ups the ante on more. Of course it does, like, you know, with the special effects, with the plot, with the narrative, and like the grand the grander like scheme of the story. But I think it really ups its game with this emotional component that although we do get in the first film, I think it really comes into form here. Yeah. I, um, how do I put this? I've only really cried in a, in a Marvel movie during Civil War and Endgame and Infinity War. So for <laughs> Guardian and Guardians 1, but Guardians 2 surprised me. I didn't think I would cry in that movie, but I did. There's something so like, um, like ethereal about this movie for me. I think like, of course, you know, the visuals, the music. Right. Um, also, I know a lot of people point to the Guardians movies for an amazing soundtrack, and they do. Mm-hmm. Also, Tyler Bates' original score is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think he does a great job. Underrated. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think, um, yeah, like Ethan, like you said, like it's almost like it's bigger, but it's also in a weird way more intimate. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just so like interesting to me how they're able to like, I mean, for God's sakes, you sympathize with a fucking raccoon. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I'm, I'm like, there's a scene, like, Yon, I'm not going to try and spoil it, but Yondu, did we already spoil what happens to him? Yeah, I you mean, if you haven't it. seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, you know. If you haven't seen it's a, it's MCU a, movie. It's a billion dollar movie. I think yeah. it's close to a billion dollars, so you yeah, can spoil but, um, it. Yondu dies. So, Yondu <laughs> does, does die by the end of the movie, but oh my god, like, when, when Peter's doing everything he can to save his... The oh. person he now realizes was his dad all along. <laughs> yes. Fucking can't take that shit off him. And it's and like, he's... and then like, I don't know. It's just so fucking like moving the desperation between a son trying to help his father and like 
just realizing like you know i think like one thing that happens a lot especially with kids is we take our parents for granted although we yeah. never should i think like a lot of time we're like oh you know i'm moving on to this new phase in my life i'm doing this all this other shit and like of course like yeah that's a natural part of growing up but at the same time you'll only realize how valuable that was to you when it's gone yeah and uh. i think this movie really hammers that in and that funeral scene with cat stevens father and son annihilates oh me every time yeah i can't listen to that song the same now it's yeah. amazing brandon where guardians of the galaxy is a great movie about friendship i think guardians 2 is a great movie about family ah yes um, i i remember seeing this movie on opening night with a bunch of my friends from harkins the theater i used to work at and kind of being disappointed by it, you know? I was expecting... I went in expecting James Gunn to do the same thing. Because mm-hmm. often with Marvel, and this is one of my big criticisms, despite the fact that I do enjoy their films and their the discourse surrounding them recently, um, is that they kind of try to be too repetitive. And I just went in respect, expecting that, you know, that repetitive nature. And... I was really thrown off when it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't as funny. And I think it was more focused on the story. And like Chris said, like there is a lot of spectacle to this film, but it doesn't lose sight of what's really important and the subplots that are really important. Uh, Maybe it's just that I wasn't expecting it to go the way it did. And that's why I was left disappointed. But since I've rewatched it maybe once or twice before uh, Infinity War and Endgame, and I remember both of those times on rewatch, I enjoyed it more each time I watched it, and I took more from it. And maybe that's because of Rocket Raccoon's arc in the film being right. as excellent as it is. I think it carries it, mm-hmm. and the fact that his character, who's basically CGI, not even motion capture technically, because like, no, uh, Sean Gunn does the motion capture he did? for it. His well, brother. I, I just, I really liked the film regardless of if it had, like, motion capture for his character. Right. It just, I don't know. I, I feel like I really like it, but I feel like I'm not ready to have the conversation that the second one is better than the first, but I completely understand that discourse and evaluation. Yeah. But as that's not what we're discussing, as a family movie, it works fine. I think... I think the first one still has that sentimental value for of me, just yeah. being so surprised of how amazing that film was. Yeah, because I, yeah. I remember going okay. I was one of I the remember only going to that movie the first and just movie. thinking like, oh, this is gonna be some knockoff Avengers. Right. I like the more than the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. It's just that, like Avengers I, is like uh hmm. That movie, I thought you were about to say boring. No, I think the first Avengers has aged not as it's well aged yeah i i think i think the majority of phase one hasn't aged well i would agree be completely that. honest yeah but i think captain america has actually become better if i'm being honest really yeah. i think but, i think, but I think all the other ones have become and worse. iron man are the ones that are like that haven't aged I would but agree with that. i remember it like that this the summer that it came out was a very formative time in my life as well i think for both of these films because this was like this is when um, we were graduating high school is when this film came out in May of 2017, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, 
this came out at a time where I was like really gonna like about to say goodbye for a, a while to my friends that I'd be like of these relationships that I built over years, you know? And I think this film was a, a really good coping mechanism for that for me personally. And it's a battle I have every day in my head of which Guardians film is better, to be honest. It's 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 hard. One day I'm one way, the next day the other. So, but goddamn. Let's let's just say I'm excited for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad because if he if he delivers something like the Guardians films on an emotional level with The Suicide Squad, talk about the redemption of a century, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That would be insane. It's not very hard to top that Barbie. Thing. I it's it's not hard to top uh David Ayer's David Ayer's Suicide Squad, but to fucking exceed it to the level of Guardians of the Galaxy movies, you know? Don't get ahead of yourself. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I'm just gonna say they got King Shark in there and Polka Dot Man, and I'm hyped as hell. So anyways, that's my last film. Uh, Brandon, go into your last film. Uh, my last movie is a movie we've all watched together. Uh, my name is JF. Sorry. 2018. Another 2018 film. Sean Anders directed film Instant Family. Are you fucking yes. kidding me? You're a genius. <laughs> I did oh, it for genius. you, Chris. Oh. Fucking did it for you, Chris. <laughs> no. <laughs> you smart. You loyal. You a genius. talk about instant family okay i did not go in expecting to like this movie i didn't even know what it was about going in like i had seen like maybe one trailer and been like oh that looks kind of cute and chris and i dragged ethan's ass to see this movie because he did not want to see it he had seen (laughs) that's an understatement yeah stuff and he'd been like i just i don't like it i don't like movies like that we're like come on it'll be great and while chris and i were sitting there enjoying ourselves this guy (laughs) was sitting there groaning and cringing as the audience around him laughed not enveloped in the thanksgiving christmas atmosphere that this film provided (laughs) 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 so this movie is about uh these two or these two this couple who wants to adopt a kid because they don't want to have a kid of their own. They want to skip the steps of uh, the baby stages, you know, and they want to impress their friends and their family. And they want to do it for self-interest. And then it becomes less about that and more about the family that they adopt to the point where like, it's this really heartwarming movie about this adoptive family becoming a family. And there's, trials in it and tribulations regarding the original uh parent of these children as well as the fact of these kids don't really know this family they've been accustomed to a past life and this new life for them is kind of hard to adjust to and for anybody who grew up in a household like i did where i had foreign exchange students for years it was a very like i would say very relatable movie because we, my parents had similar situations where we'd have, they they wouldn't be prepared uh, for these teenage situations happening because my, I was a kid and they weren't prepared for uh, disciplining somebody who's older or uh, comforting somebody who really isn't their kid. And yeah, I just really connected with this movie. Chris, do you want to talk about it before Ethan slams it? 
Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it, I mean, talk about an adorable movie. Right. I, I mean, like, you know, what a great, like, depiction of, you know, just these, like, parents trying to do their best for their kids and, but also a sister doing the best for her siblings. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so, like, I don't know, it's, I saw a little bit of my family in this, in the sense of, like, you see the guise of, like, not the guys, the, through the eyes of um, these parents, like, what it's like to be a, be a, be a parent. And it's so, like, I don't know, there's just something so, like, real to it about me. I know it, it's not a drama or anything like that, but it is, like, there's an endearing quality to how, like, this is a normal, like, thing, like, the there's a scene where um Rose Byrne and Mark Wahlberg's character Mark Wahlberg's what the Mark Wahlberg Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> character um gets called um gets called daddy by that sounds weird gets called dad by um his adopted daughter for the first time and it's the most like it's the sweetest thing and like I don't know there's just something so like heartwarming about it I don't know like sue me fuck it's you it's lighthearted Ethan. humorous. It really captures what it's like to be in a family. Sometimes it's kind of cringe, but you like it. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Ethan, why don't you... Why don't when, you I, when I walked into this theater, it felt like I found the glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> this, oh, this movie felt like somebody... Like an AI wrote the script. Everything Ooh. about this film felt so fucking fake. I I could not believe it. The jokes were just nothing jokes, and everyone in the theater was just laughing their ass off. Including the yours mute- truly. In- <laughs> yours truly. <laughs> and it's just like, it felt like it was edited by trailer editors for the movie, you know? Um... I, Mark Wahlberg's not that great of an actor, and none of these char- act, like people in the movie were acting that great. It just felt everything. It was the most predictable movie ever. I knew exactly how everything was gonna go. I'm like, oh yeah, they adopt kids. Do kids hate them? Parents think they're failures, and they get together at the end. Okay, cool. Good thing I didn't pay money for this because he's made AMC A list. Right? What I thought, I wasted my money. I could have I could have told everyone this movie. I could have made this movie myself. No, I'm just kidding. Not to discredit <laughs> anybody who worked on this movie. But it did it just felt like like oh my god. How could you say that about it the felt director like, of Daddy? It felt Tom? it felt like a movie tr- movie that characters would be watching in another movie. You know what I'm saying? They they have good taste. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right but the no. faster we move on from this movie the better so chris take us into your final film all right man okay i'm not i throughout this entire podcast i've been trying to knock it down between these last two films that i've been trying to and honestly part of me really wants to pick this one movie because it is it would complete my stack trilogy of, of asian fil- families of, of asian families but <laughs> i can't lie to myself and give you that when i re- when i know in my heart there's another movie that i would pick over it 
Okay. So the movie that I was gonna pick. Instant Family. It's a double stack. <laughs> <laughs> no. The 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 film that I was gonna pick instead of what I actually am gonna pick was Anish Chaganti's Searching. Oh. oh. Now okay. that's a great family film, but that's not what I picked. We'll come back to that maybe one day when we do like virtual movies or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure that out. We'll find a time. That's John weird. M. Chu movies. We'll yeah. figure it out. But okay, my pick is a 2017 film. It's screened at Dodge. It's a Lee Unkrich movie called Coco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He went, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Were you thinking I was going to say like Shape of Water or something? I don't know. I wasn't expecting anything. Tell me about Coco. All right. So Coco follows this young boy who more than anything really wants to be a great musician. He has nothing more in his heart than wanting to meet and be the next Ernesto de la Cruz. Now, here's the thing. His grandmother is seriously against music. Um, and that is because her her that's because her his great grandfather kind of walked out on the family to pursue his life as a musician. But here's where things get interesting. Eventually, he find during the Day of the Dead, um, celebration festival he finds his way into the land of the dead and he uh, he goes on this adventure and meets all these creative and very colorful cast of characters and it's so endearing and my god like it's so if you really start to see like you know i think like a lot of kids who are pursuing careers and things especially like for me as someone who is pursuing a career in a family built predominantly of people involved in business and whatnot, wanting to pursue a creative career is something that oftentimes can feel a little alienating. So this was a very comforting movie for me to see. And I don't know, just seeing like this idea of like being oneself while also honoring your obligations to your family. I think that's something that's really powerful and he changes things and he helps his family learn. And I think that's so inspiring to me. And Oh my gosh, there's the twist. I'm I'm not going to spoil it because it's too good of a twist to spoil. But there is a wonderful twist in this movie that just punches you in the gut and just, you know, warms your heart every time and breaks it nonetheless. And man, there's this song like Remember Me. Yeah. Fantastic. Amazing. And it breaks your heart every time. There's this one scene towards the end of the movie where um, the main character, I think his name is, is his name Miguel? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he sings Remember Me for his great-grandma. And that breaks me every time. I will never not cry at that scene. Because it reminds me of my great-grandma, who I got to meet once. And also reminds me of my grandma, who is, you know, like, aging and, like, you know, starting to, you know, move, mm -hmm. you know, um, be in that later part of her life. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just so, it's so endearing. I think that's the word I'd use. Why what do you, you guys think of why are you crying? What do you guys think of this movie? Oh, I have warm, fuzzy memories of seeing this for the first time. Um, I remember college first semester for me was not what I expected it to be. Not that, not saying I didn't have my friends, but I was having a hard time finding my place. And I remember seeing this movie with I think Chris and Troy. Pretty sure. Right, Chris? Um, I don't remember, to be honest. I, I think don't even... we saw it together. Yeah. And there, 
it was the first Dodd screening I remember going to, and it was really impactful for me because of its themes of family in a time where I was trying to like figure out whether or not I belonged at this place, you know, this very foreign place to me because I had to readapt to a new school, a new environment, much like Ethan did. Um, from and you, Chris, <laughs> and uh, every college student, and, and because no, nobody... not everybody, because like some people like were from like Southern California, but like uh, all of us grew up outside of that bubble. Right. So, I mean, and Coco hit me in a soft, soft place. I grew up all, all around Hispanic communities that celebrated Day of the Dead, and I remember being really like pulled into this world that Leon Critch kind of created and adapted from real Hispanic culture. Um, The the songs are wonderful. I was thinking about if we ever did a Pixar list to put this on there, because this movie is just so wonderful, culturally relevant. It's Pixar's first musical, and I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah. It is Uh, their first musical. That's crazy. I never realized I'd never done a musical until this movie. Yeah, it was vibrant and like the way the de- the world of the dead is created, like and has these like levels of class is kind of interesting as well. It, it, it's a very culturally appropriate film. And I remember thinking, you know, I saw the trailer, didn't look super great. And then we saw it and I, I was just like, it was like somebody was telling me, you suck. Your expectations are wrong. <laughs> Because this movie is amazing. Right. Yeah. Oh, such a beautiful film. It's one of the most visually distinct films of Pixar's uh, filmography, I guess, of Pixar's library because it's so tapped into Mexican culture, you know? Uh, The music, the lights, the decorations about Day of the Dead. And, oh, man. I can't believe uh, that I love the musical numbers in this movie you know how i am with some musicals you know i'm a bit more baby i'm a little baby towards them and these ones they slapped um (laughs) and i think while i i have heard there's some controversy around the film that sort of parallels the plot to the movie where uh this the story of the film was stolen from someone else i don't know i don't know too much about it but I've, i've i've heard stuff about that that is a problem but Still, I know that this movie means a lot to a lot of people, and I think it's themes of remember, remember your who you are, and remember your ancestors. You know, especially when this came out and uh, during the time for many Mexican Americans. You know, uh, right remembering after. remembering your culture and being proud of it is like that's something a lot of people need to hear at that time. You know. Um, and it's it, that's just that's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. Good pick, Chris. All right. Yeah. Well, there's all of our family movies. So before we look at no double stacks, so this is gonna be this is gonna be hard to see what we want to put for our final stack. But before we do that, let's run through each of our picks, shall we? All right. So I started off with Shoplifters, Force Majeure, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Brandon. Yeah. What are your movies? I had, I had a loose ordinary people and instant family. Chris, I had the farewell, crazy rich Asians and Coco. Okay. Anybody got any pitches? Anybody? 
Anybody got any good themes? Uh, how about we do Shoplifters, The Farewell, and Crazy Rich Asians? <laughs> <laughs> Movies about Asian families. <laughs> okay. No. Let's do it. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, hmm. Let's see. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pick up, like, some unique I, themes from each of our films. I think we could, I think like... we should pick one Asian movie. Okay. Because... I think... Yeah. We... Here's what here's my thinking, at least. Um, we I think we should do a stack about all around the world. All like we're encompassing families like, around the world. Families around the world. As to not just go by what our uh, ancestors were doing with pillaging the natives and only thinking about America. Like oh, Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. Yo, cowboys okay. and natives, they're helping each other out. I'm down, I'm down with that. I, if we're going to pick a Asian movie, let's do The Farewell. Because I, I haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians, but it seems like they share similar themes of East versus West, as you're talking about, Chris. Mm. I don't know. I, I think that's it, the one I'm the warmest on that would have been chosen, because I know you would want to see it ethan yeah yeah so i think we can we i think we could we should put farewell in yeah. and mm -hmm. only switch that out for crazy rich asians if the others are like very somber and we want a light-hearted twist okay like if we swap those two but like that's let's see what else we got what do you guys have any other like let's we gotta get this in here um coco 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 would be cool i mean like what what, what would be our third like you know instant um, fan no yes. please chris I, chris I you will... have the power no two out of three override him <laughs> no please chris i am fucking begging okay, chris wait, i know wait, how wait, much wait, you wait. like instant family yes. but okay wait brandon brandon I'll, i'm gonna entertain your idea but, but i'm gonna no. give ethan a chance to give me a better pitch let's see if guardians of the galaxy me. volume two i think that should be on this Ooh, list family in space yeah come on that's so it's that's so out there. I That's not that, relatable. Are are you kidding me? Shut up. Go. Shut up, shut up. I if out of all the films on my list that I want on the final stack, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I just think it's it's vibrant, it's hilarious, but I think I think it's also one of the most complex about what's your place in a family and what do you want out of a family you know ethan let me and ask guess you what question. it's one of the most relatable films across the globe because it's not on earth it's in space it could be by anybody let me let me just ask you a question okay which movie has family in the title all right so this is gonna be a one film stack of instant <laughs> family <laughs> according to your argument hey that's okay with me hey that's okay with me man well, I know ordinary people has no shot to make it on here. I, uh, I, I'll do it. I'll put it on. Look, it sounds interesting. But I think that's the darkest we can go because that sounds pretty fucked up. Loose is pretty dark too. Loose yeah. is darker. I think, despite the. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't title. know if that film's if that film's main theme is about family though. Belonging in. I family. think it's. I think it's I think it's speaking bigger to American culture and okay. stuff like that, you know. Okay. And race relations. I don't think that's necessarily about family. Ordinary people, I've heard it's a great film about family. Yes. Uh okay, here's my pitch. Here's my pitch. All right. So, if we want something really fun to kick it off and vibrant, I'm okay with Crazy Rich Asians. Whoa. I think that sounds fun. Then we go something really dark with ordinary people. 
And then we have a really complex film, but with great vibrant visuals, again, with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to kick it off. Because I think that's a great ending. I think that's a good way to do it. I might ask if if we're doing that, if we're doing mm-hmm. Crazy Agents, could we switch that to Coco? Yeah. Because I think... I prefer even, okay well, that. Hmm. Brandon, how dark is Ordinary People as a movie? It's like, totally. pretty dark. I mean, there's humor in it, but it's like morbid. And then when it is there, it's like few and far between. Let me put it this way. If we were to watch Ordinary People, what would be, what mood do you want to go into that with? Do you want to be sad and like kind of heartwarmed? Or do you want to be jumping for the skies happy? Sad. I think Coco then. Because Crazy Witch Agents leaves you so fucking happy. I agree. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Ordinary People is like, it starts out dire, and then it kind of has the same tone throughout as Good Will Hunting, which I know we've talked about on the pod. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. I think this list, Coco, good, it could so be that'll be Coco, Ordinary, and then, yeah, Guardians. Look at that. The stacked boys are picking the shill movie about the capes with the Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. What a bunch Marvel of movie? fucking fakes. Yeah, this is our first MCU movie on, uh, picked in the final stack. Hey, I think I, I think I've mentioned a couple others, but this is our first MCU one. MCU Pride, dude. MCU, MCU Pride. Ass. Those movies are fun. Stop being so boring. I know. I know they're kind of. They they don't they don't they're have like much all corporate. But I don't care. I don't know. If, I don't care that they're all corpo and they don't have much depth that you want from a fucking Scorsese film. They're fun as fuck. Who cares? If they're like a roller coaster ride. Brandon like, loves roller coasters, right? I like. I love. What's them. wrong with a good old roller coaster ride? You know what? I watched I watched Peter Jackson's King Kong the other day, and that was like, okay, this feels like a universal ride for three hours. You know what I'm saying? It really does. Yeah, I totally feel that. Like, who cares? That's movies were meant to be like attractions when they were co- first con- conceived. But that Anyways. doesn't mean they can't be art too. We're not saying that, <laughs> but we're also saying let us have fun. I just got a text from my roommate Ben saying it'll be the last MCU movie on Stacked. <laughs> well, all right. This might be the last episode of Stacked if we keep up our bullshit. <laughs> yeah, like we're going to get one view. It's going to be great. <laughs> now my other roommate said cringe Kevin choice. Feige. Yeah, this is now a cringe podcast. Totally corpo. We've gone corpo. We're just Kevin, oh, we we're a out. bunch of fucking shills. God Kevin damn it. Kevin Feige is our only viewer now. <laughs> it's just kevin five oh and john Lasseter. god damn it all okay. right let's let's run down this final stack so the angry mob of film philosophs can stop chasing after us all right so this is stacks official 2020 family movie stack starting with starting with lee unkrich's 2017 film coco a wonderful movie about family um belonging identity and just accepting oneself and those around you with all the love in the world. Beautiful movie. Our second film is... Our second film is... Ordinary People. <laughs> <laughs> A film about real dysfunctional families and really big issues that I think modern film kind of shies away from tackling. But this film doesn't shy away at all. It's brave. It's brave. And our final film is about recognizing that these idiots that you you hang out with every single day, they might be your family after all. That's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. It's it's got the it's got the laughs, 
It's got the emotions. It's got the tears. It's got the, the ooze, the ahs, the spectacle. And it's just a great way to end off this stack because it ends with knowing that no matter where you are and who you are, there are people out there who love you and will cry at your funeral when you go. What a, wow, that's kind of a sad way to end off this episode, guys. I don't. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, it's, everybody. Well, happy day after Thanksgiving. Go have yourself, go microwave up some turkey now. And, Leftovers uh, are good. Make a sandwich. Make a sandwich. Yeah, make a little sandwich with a bread roll. You know, you take. This is what this is what Milo does. Guests on the show, he takes he takes one of the, a Thanksgiving roll and then he just puts turkey in it. You know, that's a little turkey sandwich right there. You know, good stuff. Anyways, yeah, enjoy your little thing. Uh, the last few days of your Thanksgiving break, everybody, uh, and we'll we'll see you in December. <gasps> wow, that's crazy. We're almost at the end of the year. Anyways, bye everybody. So bye, long. Guys. Bye. Jesus, bye. What is bye. That? A new- bye. No.